Hey guys, welcome back to Joe Coyo. And okay, quick. Off the top of your head right now, in 10 seconds, see if you can name give or give the names of at least five different sodas in 10 seconds. Okay? Five different sodas in 10 seconds and go. Okay, so now how many of them were variations on the name Coke or Pepsi? Like, for example, Coke Zero, Diet Coke, uh, Cherry Coke, whatever, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Clear, I don't know. Or, or how about this, or how many of them that you could name were, say, made by one of them? Like how Mountain Dew is made by Pepsi and Mellow Yellow by Coke. Hmm, kind of hard to do, huh? Now, there, if, you may know of some. You may know of some, but it's getting harder. And that's where we're going pretty much today. Now, pretty much the world seems, or the world as I know it anyway, seems to be dominated by pretty much your, I guess your grocery store varieties of soda, you know. Here's to you, Dr. Thunder. Um, but with, with that, maybe maybe Coke products and Pepsi products, and, and you pretty much have got the entire soda aisle, you know. Um, okay. Well, you know, there used to be a whole bunch of different kinds of of sodas. I mean, bunches and bunches. And I guess in much the same way, there used to be a whole lot more stores than just Walmart. And hardware stores besides Lowe's. See how all those, all those things are running out? I mean, like, there used to be Double Cola. There used to be Rex Cola. There was New Grape. There was Orange Crush. And, of course, you had, in Salisbury, North Carolina, you had Cheerwine, which was founded mainly because we had a sugar shortage and somebody needed something sweet, so they used cherry syrup instead of sugar. That was kind of cool. But, you know, to me, soda goes back, I mean, as far back as I can remember, and and pretty much nearly everyone that, that has... I don't know, been born since the 1910s because soda's been ubiquitous since at least then. But, but you know, it's it's hard to think of a day in which I didn't see soda stuff. I mean, for one, my father used to work for the Coca-Cola bottling company. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. But, you know, to me, there were a few things better growing up in the middle of a hot summer's day than putting a pack of peanuts in an RC Cola. Now, some of you guys that are not from around here, I've heard people say in the past, ooh, that's disgusting. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it was really good stuff. Now, some preferred Coke, and I guess that was their American right to do so, if that's how they wanted to live their lives. I've heard of some creatures wanting to put peanuts in Pepsi, but I didn't associate with those types of people. Just kidding. The sort of the salt of the peanuts and the sweet of the soda was an excellent combination. Not to mention that it combines your drink and your snack together. 
And and likely, if you did the whole soda and peanuts thing together, that, that means that you probably, you know, were from around a farming community. And likely, your hands were probably dirty in the summertime if you were a kid or a farmer or a farmer's kid to combine the two. A lot of people around here were. I mean... This way, by putting the peanuts in your soda, your hands didn't touch the peanuts. And you have to eat dirt along with, you know, your snack. You know, what happens is you get your, your bottle of soda. You have a couple of sips to get the soda level down. Pour the entire peanut packet in it. And voila, you've got good stuff. Now, I would advise that if you have never done this before... Uh, don't try it with like diet anything. I promise you it will be absolutely and thoroughly disgusting. Um, you know, I've even had these again, there used to be so many soda companies. I even had something called Beck soda when I visited Montreal one time. It fittingly is sweetened with maple syrup. The best I can say is that it was different. And then you have also the various, you know, beers. Not like Corona, <laughs> that's kind of funny, or, or Guinness. But like birch beer made from like birch tree sap. I had that in Vermont, a soda made from birch tree sap. That was even more different. And I truthfully could not finish the bottle. That really hasn't happened many times. There was, of course, there's ginger ale, or of course, or ginger beer. They had those too. And for all these soft drinks, I put that in quotation marks, you know, because there's a reason why their popularity took off for the 1920s and 1930s. It's because that same period of the 20s and the 30s was the Prohibition era in which hard drinks were illegal. It's not that people stopped drinking whiskey and moonshine, you know, the hard drinks, and they drank soda instead. But people could pour their hard drink into their soft drink to hide their liquor. Like to the casual observer, Andy over there at the bar, he was drinking the soda. The bottle was clear and you could see it. But Andy put moonshine in that bottle. And unless you took the time to sniff Andy's breath, you would never know it. There was also root beer which, of course, I never cared for personally. It wasn't really my thing. It was made with the bark of a sarsaparilla tree, partially. Um, much the same way that the bark of a, a bark of a birch tree made birch beer. And, you see, Root Beer was a man named P.C. Worley's specialty. So... Way back in the 1910s, uh, you see around the turn of the century, 1800s, 1910s, you have, again, as I said, bottling companies everywhere. And it just so happened that the Hayo Cola Bottling Company was started in 1913 in Selma, North Carolina. It was started by a man named P.C. Worley. And he organized this bottling company to try to sell, um, well, he made his own root beer called Worley's Root Beer. And other soft drinks, of course. And what would happen is they would print labels on a hand press. They would paste those labels to containers and deliver them to stores by horses and wagons. Now, in 1921, 
we see C.P. Worley, his son, taking over from the father, changed the name over to Worley's Beverages. He updated a lot of stuff, and Pepsi was added to his line. And Pepsi, of course, you know, that was founded in New Bern. In 1946, his kid, C.P. Worley Jr., joined the company and even further modernized and changed the name to Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company of Selma. Now, this guy, C.P. Worley Jr., was a graduate of Selma High School, UNC Chapel Hill, and, and was a World War II Navy veteran. He saw that the trend by the 1940s was headed towards canning soda instead of, of bottling it. It was cheaper than bottles, and that there was not a dependable source for canned Pepsi products in all of the Carolinas, so he helped start the first one, and he earned his own accolades. Well, going with the whole bottle thing, and this is where it, it, it got uh, a little bit more fun, is, you see, again, Worley's had a very distinctive bottle. It was different. It didn't look like your, like, like your modern-day varieties of Pepsi and Coke. Soda bottles were distinctive back then. In some cases, you could even tell what the product was by the feel of the bottle. Perrines, for example, in Philadelphia... They, they had a soda called, uh, well, an apple ginger soda. Their bottles were shaped like log cabins with an embossed apple on the side. Smile Soda from Green Bay, Wisconsin was a thin cylinder at the bottom and bulbed out near the top. Elephant Bottling Works in Birmingham, Alabama looked simply like a glass milk bottle. A lot of them did. You had one called Blood Wines in Augusta, Georgia. It was shaped like a mallet from the Whack-A-Mole games. It was really heavy, thick, and it was purple. Dixie Bottling Works in Jacksonville, Florida shaped their bottles normally enough, except that it had rings around them. What? Some bottle designs were just to be distinctive, and some were for other uses besides just holding soda. I mean, think about, the, think about soda bottles. Thick glass, which made them very solid, translucent, if not transparent, smooth, and how about how they all taper to the mouth of the bottle, going from, you know, wider to, to thinner, narrowing from the middle to the top. Did you ever see the early 1980s movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy? If not, and if you want to see different perspectives of the possibilities of soda bottles, well, that's your movie. Well, in this area, glass soda bottles could also be used as tools in tobacco planting. After you get the seedlings from the plant, you could take your trusty soda bottle in one hand, turn it upside down, jab it where you want to plant your tobacco, about halfway down, and voila again, instant hole. No digging required. Fast and easy, and no need to buy those wooden pegs. And I tell you this, if you... Look around old farms in Johnston County. I can nearly guarantee you that it wouldn't be long before you find an old glass bottle. They weren't just thrown away. You could turn them in for five cents or so in a turn-of-the-century version of recycling, or, or you can turn them into tools. I suppose you could just collect them, of course. I mean, you do have that. And today... The Worley's Root Beer and Hayo Cola bottles are very collectible and highly valued. 
but they could also come in handy when it's time to plant your tobacco seedlings. And there you go. That's it. That's all. And uh, had a great time with it as always. All about soda bottles. Little trip down memory lane. And until next time, guys, uh, be good. Thank you.